0: Welcome to A Day of Prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me.
1: Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ. Through prayer, faith, and His Word.
2: Hello, I'm LaChouse and you're listening to A Day of Prayer's morning Bible study. We're glad you could join us. Before I get into the word promise, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for today and just thank you for loving us all equally and not playing someone as a favorite and just showing us the way on your path and just providing someone to lead us towards you. So that we don't go astray. Mm -hmm. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We are continuing our study in 1 Corinthians. And today we're beginning chapter 5. So can I get a volunteer to read the first eight verses, please? I will. All right, Kyla.
3: It says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I, was present, I were present him who has so done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our lord jesus christ deliver such a one to satan for the destruction of the flesh that a spirit may be saved in the day of the lord jesus your glory is not good do you not know it's that just a little glorying? what it's just glorying. your glorying is not good thank you mm-hmm. do you not know that a little leaven leavens a whole lump therefore pour out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to open the floor to you guys to share what the Holy Spirit is speaking and ministering to you and to ask any questions that you may have. So, who'd like to begin?
2: Okay. <clears throat> I'd like to start with verse, uh, the later verses of verse 6 and, wait you know, verse 7. Wait, verse 6 and 7. Oh, actually, verse 6 to the end of the cha- All right, not in the chapter, to the end of the section we read. Where Paul is talking about that a little leaven leavens the whole, leavens the whole loaf. Lord showing that, look, that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't matter at all what you're doing. What if it's sin, it's sin. He doesn't like yesterday. Yesterday we're talking about how. We get discipline when we try to go back. So the Lord is showing me that. It doesn't matter how big it is. We still get the same amount of discipline from the Lord. Which means we still get the same amount of love. And also. The Lord is showing me that. This same principle applies to. Our life inside the Lord. It doesn't matter what we do. Nec- not necessarily when we, the Lord, it doesn't matter how big or small the Lord tells you to do something, he's still, he's still proud, he's still proud of you, and still loves you the same, and goes, that's my son, not, uh, that's not my son, uh, hey, this one's my son.
1: And which one's that, sir?
2: The one that does the big deed.
1: The one? Okay, so he, he he views big things that we think are super important when we obey and things that seem insignificant when we obey. He views those the same, is that what you're saying, and celebrates yes. both of those kind of events equally. His goal is that we obey him. And he knows that if we obey in the little things, then we'll obey in the great things. But it's equally important to him, the one who does the triumphant Calls fire down, or you know, saves all the prophets as well as the one who um, hit them in the cave and fed them, right? Yes, he counts those the same. He, he loves us and he wants obedience.
2: Mm-hmm. And most of the time, as humans, we go, Oh, this person's so great to of the Bible, but we fail to see the people that are behind the scenes and helping them. We usually go, yeah, yeah, we don't really care about them. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the Lord wants us to look at it. He wants us to look at this one. They both do the will of the Lord, so they're both great inside of the Lord's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that we shouldn't, when we see somebody like that who does something big, we shouldn't praise them, if you will, and Not praise the one who did the little deeds. That we should all, that we should look at them the same way.
1: So we shouldn't play favorites. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And we should... Value and appreciate each of our brothers and sisters in Christ equally, like David when he went to go, um, when his family and the, his town was raided and they took away all the family and all the goods and they left all the wives and the children. And David went out, and some of the men were too tired from the fight they had just come from, and they had to stay back with the and watch the supplies. And when David went and won that battle, and they came back with the with the gain that was was received the the booty if you will when they came back with the substance and some of the men and the bible says they were wicked men said wait only give the ones that stayed back with the items only give them their wives and their children they don't get anything extra and David said the one who went who stayed with the stuff is the same as the one who went to battle because both portions are both equal they're both valid and important and we're not going to use unjust weights in how we measure Someone's value or their validity in assisting in the whole goal that God has assigned for us. Because if they had left a pile of stuff there, and all however many hundreds of them went out to fight, then somebody would have taken that spoil.
2: (laughs) So would have been the same thing.
1: They would have been constantly going back and forth. But those men had enough strength to stay and guard the supplies, so that there was no further loss. And the ones that had more vigor went on to fight and get back the children and the wives. So that they were all restored, just like the body of Christ. We can't say one, port- one portion is important, and one portion is not, and we have no need of it. Right?:
2: Yes.
4: Uh-huh.
2: Go ahead, honey. Uh, that's it for now.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> OK. OK. Who else?
4: You know, it seems almost impossible to believe that what Paul is talking about here is so, that somebody would be arrogant and proud about this type of behavior. Um, I saw, I believe it was a television show, I don't think it was on the internet, but it was something, and it was a a gentleman, uh, and it was talking about um, different um, religions and things, and there was uh, a man and his wife who uh, claimed to be Christians, And were proud of their uh, evangelism and how they were uh, going forth with the word of God. And they had, um, as it were, found a niche into the wife-swapping arena and how by embracing that culture, they could go forth and bring Christ into places where he had not been brought before. And they were actually propagating this as a ministry and interviewing people and touting that this was a great thing and how these people's lives were changed by this. And um, yeah, I was blown away by it. I've just absolutely blown away by it. But we forget how strong the flesh is, especially when we give it power. And so I think what happens a lot of times when these these types of things happen and why they initially become to be is because – they tickle the ears of the people that listen to them because they allow them to be justified in their own sinfulness and their own fleshly desires, whatever they may be. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual sin. It could be whatever sin it is. It's being recognized there. And there's a component of this that um, with the severity of it uh, may seem like it's being uh, uh, overemphasized with it. But I think the... the, the Part that's important to understand is that um, if the if the ecclesia, the actual body of Christ, is aware of a sin of anybody within the body and they're unwilling to do to deal with it, then it's no different than what we talked about in our last devotional about what really is true love, right? We we have to deal with it, and especially if the person's in a position of authority, they have to be removed from that position. Um, they cannot be allowed to teach. They cannot be held up as a position of authority, and they have to repent of their sin and deal with that, and they may be restored to a position of authority later because all, we, we all can sin, and we all um, are offered opportunities to repent and return mm-hmm. when we do sin. Mm-hmm. So it's not meant, this, this section is not meant to give us um, license to judge others or to Mm -hmm. point our fingers at this, it is a format for when there is sin. There is unrepentant sin that is publicly aware, Mm -hmm. especially within the body, Mm -hmm. that it must be dealt with. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's a pretty, what we would want to attach, a pretty egregious sin in the type that it is. And he compares it to, you know, even the pagans wouldn't do this, but it's irrelevant of what this sin is. It's the methodology of how we deal with any sin. That is known sin and unrepentant sin within the body. Uh
1: Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. So the Bible tells us that sin, I mean, love covers a multitude of sins. Sin does not cover anything. Love covers a multitude of sins or a multitude of faults, depending on your translation. And um, also encourages us when we find our brothers or sisters in sin to reconcile them. We don't have to go blow the trumpet and go, oh, they're sinning over there. However, there is a different, um, there's a different way that God wants us to go about handling things. Like when you said someone's a new leadership dean and being looked at as by younger people or people trying to walk the walk before Jesus Christ and someone it appears that they are being reverenced and blessed as a result of their sin, how easily the enemy takes that opportunity to confuse the minds of the people that are onlookers, which is why the Lord's saying this one that needs to be dealt with. Come, come sit down for a while. You're not mature enough yet to be in this position. Be reconciled, no doubt. It's not our job to throw people out of Jesus's boat, if you will. It's not our job to exclude people from heaven. We don't have the authority to do that. It's our job and our business that God gave us is to restore such a one in love. However, the restoration doesn't mean ignoring what's happening. Mm -hmm. That love covers, but it doesn't ignore. Hence, discipline wouldn't be a part of it. Discipline means I see something is out of alignment with the will and the word of God, and now we are going to correct it. But I could never correct something that I'm going, I you can't see me, but I'm covering my eyes and going, it's not there, it's not there, it doesn't exist. There's nothing to correct if it's, if it doesn't exist, right? So love admits when there's something that's out of joint, but love also restores that one. Mm-hmm. And if there comes a point where the one who is out of joint that does not want to be restored. They have a choice about that. There's two Absolutely. parts. Our job as the witnesser of the witness of what's happening to go let me help you, let me restore you in love, not judge you, but restore you. And then the one the the one that's committing the act has to be willing to be restored. Those two have to go together. Should the one say I don't want to be restored, then that one can no longer participate and displaying the things of God because it is a corrupt witness it's saying that God's word is not true and is in fact a lie so that part can't be allowed to continue but all the while we are commanded to refrain from judging them the person's character and to walk in love we can do both we should do both and it's right this is also how God asks us to judge as parents our children especially when they're in our household Mm -hmm. Eli, Amen. Hophni, and Phineas, right? Yes. God said to him, Eli, you loved your children more than you loved me, and you did not restrain them, um, and you guys can go back and look in um, Samuel and see how they were treating the children of God when they were bringing sacrifices. They were literally sexually defiling the women in the temple door, and they were profaning the sacrifice of God, which God said is holy, so... Eli had an opp- an obligation to restrain his children and remove them from service because they weren't mature enough to be there. And if they didn't want to agree with the will and the word of God and do what was necessary to learn how to buffet their flesh, then they should not return to that position because they don't choose to follow the Lord. But Eli still had an obligation of restraining his sons. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's the same concept here um just
4: let's not forget too that samuel came to eli and told him
1: as a word
4: of the lord yeah as a babe
1: as a as a little boy and and
4: he knew it was the word of the lord speaking to him Mm -hmm. acknowledged it was the word of the lord and chose not to
1: yep Samuel just, just
4: like okay whatever
1: that's right samuel was the voice that um had to deliver the message of the judgment that was coming to Eli because he refused to hold to what was right by God's standard and he feared his sons or he was more concerned about his sons' approval or maintaining that relationship than loving or God. Or
4: possible was enjoying the fruit of their sin.
1: Could be. We, we don't know. What well, if
4: we look at the end, and how did Eli pass away?
1: He fell backwards off of a after, rock. After he heard the news of his- did and that w- the ark was
4: captured but, but what was the description we had a physical description of him he
1: was a big man
4: he was a big man he was heavy yes extremely large as mm-hmm. uh-huh. we would mm-hmm. at least say obese it would be a fair yeah. assumption uh-huh. yeah so and
1: he fell yeah. backwards and, broke yeah, his, and neck. his obesity
4: may, may have been a result of him partaking in the stolen meat that they were stealing as well yep or, or the choicest yeah of what was being brought into the temple that was intended for the lord and not for the priest, that they, they profaned by stealing it from the, the, the people that were coming to sacrifice it. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I just. Yeah. Or it could have been a there's matter There's certainly of... some things that would lead us to believe that. And that's yeah. What, that's what I was talking about earlier. We indulge our own flesh by watching somebody else that's in it. And we justify it, especially if we, if we want to label them and go, I'm doing pretty good. I'm only sinning by stealing money from my boss. I'm not having an affair with his wife. Two. Right, yes. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, the other guy that works here, he's doing that. You know? He's stealing so,
1: money and having an affair. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah I'm pretty mm-hmm. cool in what I'm doing and just keep doing it. I mean, it's just, you know, so we we, you know, we share these things in, in, in this format so that we can all consider them our own selves and that we can rightly judge ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ideally our obedience uh, that, Flavor of obedience comes in, you know, again, disciplining our own selves, right? As I said, the master of the universe, I mean, the master of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. Am I mastering myself? Am I being obedient, right? And so we must consider these things. And judge ourselves rightly first and remove our own log and, you know, be Amen. conscious yeah. of all that first.
1: Exactly. And in verse 6, that's what he's um, what he's talking about. He says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Mm-hmm. Therefore, pur- purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. So having like you were saying the personal justification of your own sin that is leavening your lump and once you get in a little bit yeast will spread to everything the leavener there's no way to take out just that section you know what i mean so um or go well i can just let it it can be over in this corner, but it's not going to touch the whole, it's going to make the whole lump of dough rise. It's not going to just make one corner rise, is what I mean by that. And he's saying, don't allow those things to be amongst you. Don't entertain, like you said, Dean, letting your flesh be gratified, or I'm doing better than that, or in any capacity, realizing that when you sit in the seat of the sinner or corrupt manners, or evil company corrupts good manners, right? Um, when you spend time with that, eventually you're going to feel the negative repercussions and Christ has already died for you. So put that out and away from you so that way you can continue to walk forward and produce the things of God versus going backwards to things that were behind you.
4: Well, I mean, I, I'll just be pretty blunt. So the word that's being used here is in sexual immorality is pornea, mm-hmm. where, where mm-hmm. we get the word, um, you know, pornography from Mm -hmm. and so um you know we think that a little leaven doesn't cause a problem but um that's how my engagement into pornography began by well i'm just looking at girls in bathing suits that's nothing wrong with that and it just continues once that comes in then you justify your actions and next thing you know you're doing things and looking at things you have no business doing and Mm -hmm. it doesn't take long and we think we're safe but a little leaven is all it takes Mm
1: -hmm. and sin takes you further than you want to go makes you stay longer than you want to stay and it costs you more than you want to pay and always always there's never any good that comes out of it sin can only produce death which is also why god disciplines us you talked about um yesterday dean that it's not i don't i i can't do this i don't I, i can't do this or can't do that like god is keeping good things from us no he's preserving your life from the results of sin. He's preserving everything God tells us is to keep us and preserve us, to keep us from the trap of the enemy. Who says, who would say to someone, oh, that's just a little bit of sin. It's going to be all right. Don't, there's no repercussions. No, no, no. (laughs) It's just for this moment. It's just going to make you wise. God knows. Oh, he's just trying to hold you back. He doesn't want you to be as wise as he is. There's no repercussions. Don't look.
4: Or even worse yet, I've been doing it for years, and there's no negative side effects at all in my life, right? And there may not be any visible ones at that point. And They're the, and, there, and, and, but the naked eye oh, yeah.
1: may not catch catch sight of them, but they are certainly there because God is not a man that he should lie.
4: That's right. And so it will the, the time of reckoning will come where you will feel the penalty of that sin in your life, and that's really what God is trying to do. He's trying to avoid you from going through that negative side effect of That's right. The negative behavior that may not show up as negative behavior in the beginning. It's not a question of what you can't do. It's a question of what you get to do. You get to enjoy all this fullness and all this pleasure and all this wonderful creation I've given you. But in the context, I've designed it for you to enjoy it because what you can't see is if you don't do it that way, you will experience the consequences of that. Not He. he not God. God's, not, God's not going to get any. It's, <laughs> he's
1: still, it hurt him. He's still a good God in His heavenly kingdom with the rainbow around His throne and the elders, and you know, He's still God in all of His glory. Yeah, We're well, the ones that miss out. We shared
4: a, I shared something I'd heard recently uh, in one of our earlier devotionals but you know, it's like, why would a good God send people to hell? He's not sending people to hell. He's rescuing people from hell. That's what he's trying to rescue us from our own behavior. That's all He's ever trying to do. Mm-hmm. And He's paid the ultimate price to make sure that we can do that by sacrificing his son.
1: That's right. and he. But he lets us choose. And so what a man sows, that he will also reap. Like God is not mocked. Don't make any mistake about this. Whether you see it, whether you think it's right or not, whether you believe it, what a man sows, that he will also reap it. God made that very clear. And whether you reap today instant destruction or you reap eternal destruction— does it really matter? An eternity in hell. Is, I think that's a pretty severe um, punishment. And it's not God doing it, but it's self
4: inflicted punishment. But that's it's self inflicted. Yeah, God it's, didn't do it. It's,
1: it's a reward. Yeah. Is hell going to be the reward you get or heaven? And so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind as I say that about people that will go, Well, look at, look at all these people living this life on TV and they're all living their best life and they have all this money and they have all this stuff and things and they get respected and all of that. But you don't get to, you get to see what they show you, not the everything that they are tormented or, you know, the misery or any of those things. But when God tells you that the result of sin is death, you rest assured that the result of sin is death, despite what your eyes see before you.
4: Yeah, and you said the reward, I think it was Charles Stanley I heard say it at one time. Um, he says, uh, people talk about paying the price for success. Uh-huh. So success as a, as a Christian, you know, as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a human of God, right? You know, mm-hmm. and what the fullness of all that is. It's not paying the price for success. You pay the price for sin, you reap the rewards of living God's way because mm-hmm. there is a reckoning. Like you said, it's going to keep you longer, cost you more mm-hmm. than you ever imagined. You mm-hmm. will pay the price yep. sooner or later That's of right. your decisions, but That's God right. does not inflict them upon you. You mm-hmm. inflict them upon yourself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. God is a good God that has not changed, will not change. Amen. Um, I wanted to read, uh, we, as we were talking about the, um, the sexual sin, I wanted to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, skipping ahead just a little bit, verses 18 and, and 20, 18 through 20. I just wanted to read that real quick. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I brought this up to say um, the part in particular about Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. There is a reason that the enemy tries so hard to inject sexual sin into the life of humans. And if you watch, as you, you watch carefully, and it seems uh, I mentioned yesterday about the counterfeits and that the enemy tries to replicate the things of God and counterfeit God's activities. Here's one way you can always know what's the root behind something, if it's God or if it's not. The enemy always brings people back to sexual immorality. If there's sexual immorality involved, it is not of God. And you are to reject it and refuse it in the name of Jesus. But if it leads to purity, self-control, godliness and a keeping of one's body for what's purpose is right by God, okay. That's the Lord. Every kind of false religion, dig in there a little bit. You see sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Every kind of um, mind and mood altering medication, watch the behaviors. Sexual immorality is the result of it.
0: Or a part of it, at least. It is included or involved.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm just drinking and I'm, I'm drinking at this party. Dig in there. Sexual immorality is a fruit of it. So if that's the fruit it's producing, you know that's not of God. And I'm not saying you can't have wine or you can't have an alcoholic beverage. That's not what I'm saying. But drunkenness is something different, right? Yes. Because God said don't be drunk with wine. It's in his Bible. Don't be in the dissipation.
4: Well, so, you know, as we talk about sexual sin, just, and we think about it in the context of what you just said and what Christ was saying, that if you even look at a woman uh-huh. exactly. With lust. So he's trying. He's really trying to set up like just, you know, stop the thought process as it begins. So take that over to alcohol. What does alcohol do? It diminishes our ability to think clearly. So if you've consumed alcohol to the point where it's affected your thinking, because you can't consume alcohol without it, yes. you know, yes. a glass Jesus, of wine or maybe Jesus two or whatever, yeah, you, you can. But if you indulge too much, you lose control of your thoughts. Uh-huh. And so you set yourself up to where... Now you've opened up to thoughts you should never be having. Mm-hmm. And it, it, yeah, it could be sexual sin, but it could be any sin. So the, the, the process goes back to I created a physical act. I indulged in a physical act that'll, that diminished my ability to make mm-hmm. decisions that are in alignment with God. Mm-hmm. And sin's always going to come from that.
1: Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So, and when you're looking at, um, for example, the, in American culture, I'm sure that this is other parts of the world. Um, quote unquote social justice. Why is there sexual immorality attached to it? Throw the flag on it right there. That's not of God.
0: Or any type of justice that has a, a preface in front of it. Justice mm-hmm. is just justice. It's that. It's already, everything is already included within it. If it is actually just and justice. As soon as you put something out, social or whatever, mm-hmm. racial justice, whatever the, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. as soon as there's a preface in front of the word justice, it already diminishes what's included and encompassed, the full spectrum that is, of justice.
1: Absolutely. Anything outside of what God ordained is unjust. God ordains justice, and there's no justice outside of him. He's the only one that can create the description and the parameters of it, he's the only one that's qualified and if it's trying to run alongside of it and then replace the standard of righteousness that God has already put in place, then that is a red flag to us as believers. So here's what I mean by that. And uh, what we were talking about here, um, what the beginning of chapter five in first Corinthians. So God said, I made man and I gave him his wife. And that's what I ordained. So when something pulls up alongside it and goes, well, this is just the same. This is just as good. And it goes, well, I'm a man, but I can, I can have my father's wife. Wait, er, we just, that's not what God said. Does that make sense? Do you see that? Yes. It, look, it, there's man, there's wife, but there's a little bit of something else in there. This is your father's wife. And God said, don't covet He said, don't covet your neighbor's wife, but let alone your father's wife. Don't covet. So likewise, God made man and his wife. Then, well, I'm man and I think I should have a husband. (laughs) Wrong answer. No, no, no. But it pulls alongside and it tries to replace the standard of righteousness. And in order to do that, it has to destroy the standard of righteousness. Cain and Abel. Instead of Cain doing what was right, as God prompted him, he decided, I'll kill my brother. No, no good examples? Problem solved. I can continue to go the way that I want to go. Does uh, everybody understand that? Yes. Layla, do you understand that? you say sweetheart uh
2: for the most part
1: okay what's missing for you
2: um when you said pulling up a side and you were making the correlation between i'm a man too and i should have my father's wife and then you said i'm a man too and then i should have a husband
3: Mm-hmm.
0: well don't you understand
2: uh-huh so you, you this, specifically are talking about children and then children taking their parents, whatever, whether it's a boy so taking his parents' mom. You
1: can go ahead and look at the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1, and he's referencing someone who's amongst their congregation, a man. That has now taken his dad's wife.
2: So like Absalom.
1: Or like Reuben. Okay. In Genesis, Jacob had multiple wives, right? Yes. He had two wives and he had two concubines or two maids that were given to him as wives as well. Reuben, his oldest child, went into one of his which will be equivalent to his stepmother, basically. But he went and had sexual relations with his dad's wife, and that's what's being referenced here. So sexual immorality is a twisting of what God said is the right order and boundary for sexual relationship. So if there's any twisting to it whatsoever, it falls under the category of sexual immorality, which is what Mr. Dean was talking about. Um, having a lustful thought, which is what Jesus brought. He made clarification to when he was teaching in his natural ministry, even the thought, meaning you entertained it, you've watched this video of you and you're enticing, creating a desire on the inside of yourself with imagery or thoughts of engaging with someone in an inappropriate way. That is sexual immorality. That's a twisting of what your mind is for. It's a twisting of creating desire, even though it's not yet enacted upon to do something that's wrong. Are you clear now? Yes. So sexual immorality, we know what immorality means. It is immoral. God sets moral. So M means that it's not moral. And he's telling us what version of immorality it is. It is sexual in nature. So anything that presents itself and exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which is the standard that God has already set, makes it immoral. Does that make sense? That makes it invalid and it makes it something that we as believers should resist. Do we hate the person? No, absolutely not. We love the people and we desire and seek their reconciliation. However, this sin is still contrary to the will and the word of God
4: I don't want to sound like a broken record. I just want to no. make sure to, to me you know how I process this is uh, it, although um, I think Paul's pretty upset that the Ecclesia has exalted something that's so egregious mm-hmm. that even people outside the church would consider it egregious. Mm-hmm. He's also still always talking about just sin in general. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. So it doesn't have to be sexual sin. It's just sin in general. Right. And so when we, um, you know, it's, it's a practical way of living our lives. If there's a thought in our head, the first thing we want to do with any thought is does that line up with what the Holy Spirit's sharing with me? Does it line up with what is written in God's word that I can pick up and look at and read? You know, is that happening? And then if I have confusion, have I got with a brother or sister mm-hmm. to help make sure I've got that right thought moving in that direction? Mm-hmm. And that all has to be processed through a filter that I have purposely put in my mind and that is God is showing me something to benefit me. Mm-hmm. God is not trying to limit me. And if I have that thought process, I'm always going to come to that right place. If, it's, if it has to do with... um you know you talked about a, a man seeking a husband, right? Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. think you're going to find anywhere in God's word where he says that's okay. And so you also have to process it from God's not trying to keep me from something.' he's not, he's, he's trying to bring me into something, into a fullness, and uh-huh. you personally need to determine what is God' showing you in that. So uh-huh. what what is with that thought that's not in alignment with his word? And now that I've had it, what does he want me to do with it? Does he want me to dismiss it? Is he going to share something with me that's going to bring it to a more fullness Mm -hmm. so that I can honor and glorify him in it? But if I have that process that he's limiting me and taking away from me, I'm always going to come to a wrong conclusion in that. Mm -hmm. I have to have the right heart condition first, and every thought has to be submitted to him Mm -hmm. and carried through.
1: Yes, absolutely.
4: And this is just a format for protecting us, again, to bring us into the fullness of of the life that he designed us to experience. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's not limiting. It's not boundaries. It's fullness. And it's unending joy Mm -hmm. and fulfillment in him. Amen.
1: And thank you, Dean, for saying that. Um, I read those scriptures to you in chapter 6 about being outside. Some certain sins are outside the body and others are inside the body because, and I referenced the how the enemy likes to steer it and bring it to sexual sin because that is one of the most difficult snares to be freed from, which makes it different. Sexual sin, because it's within the body, brings a person who partakes into it in such a bondage that it is very hard to escape. It's not like the sin of lying or the sin of stealing because it's not against or inside the body, but the sexual sin has a different weight to it, which is why, um, the enemy, if you watch what other like counterfeit things try to do, it always leads you to the end result. Let me get you here because I can ensnare you and capture your life for a great amount of time. So that's why I brought that up. And it seems like I'm going sexual sin, sexual sin, but that sin has a snare. That's not like the snare of other kinds of sin. Yes, it all produces death, but the process of untangling and being delivered from it is a challenge. Now God is great and he can do anything, but that's not a snare that most people can free themselves from and just go, okay, I'm not going to do that. And I'm just going to keep walking on. And it keeps, it puts, um, roots out into many pathways in their life. And it has an impact on many aspects of their life. And it's very hard to get over. So,
4: I saw an example of that. and I agree with you. And I wasn't wasn't saying that (laughs) you were saying that. I was just trying to make sure that, again, I think so many people look for, they have this filter of God is a mean God and God is trying to keep something from me. What's wrong if two people consent and want to do this? Who are they harming? (laughs) And so we have to understand God has designed things in such a way that they work the way that God designed them.
1: And And if you don't do it that
4: way, Mm -hmm. it harms you. So the best example I saw of that was... um, a pastor was standing in the pulpit. I was there. He was giving a lesson. He said, I want you to understand what's happening when you have sexual sin. Mm-hmm. So he took a piece of orange construction paper and a piece of blue construction paper, and he put a little bit of Elmer's glue between the two of them, put them together, and then he pulled them apart. And some of the blue was on the orange paper, and some of the orange was on the blue paper. Mm-hmm. When we come together, when a man and woman come together in a sexual act, there is a, a coming together, and the two become one. Mm-hmm. And we were... Designed to become one with one and one only. Yes, there's been times where there's been we see things in the scripture where a man had multiple wives, but God's full design is one. And so, when you engage in a sexual activity with another person, part of you becomes part of the other person, and part of the other person becomes you. So, if you have a sexual relationship with somebody that's not your spouse, just say you had it as a teen and then you come into a place where you're now given a wife or a husband and now you come to that person you don't come with all of you, you you've lost part of you you are no longer fully yours anymore fully yourself the full 100 percent of self and you also have part of somebody else that now you bring into that relationship with you and where it's so devastating, especially with pornography, and I can only speak for myself, is you can you can have so many images and so many of those, and lose so much yourself that you become you. Any relationship you enter into, you have no ability to be a hundred percent yourself for that person that you're with, and so you've by default entered into a relationship incomplete. So that's why that sexual sin against the self is so important,
1: mm-hmm. and it has a way of contaminating, and you know. If God is trying to keep you from anything, it's the trap of the enemy Amen. if you have one way to look at it because it's clear he puts he puts like bowling bowling alley bumpers up for us to keep us in the way in the path that's right because he's getting us to the the good thing that he has for us and at the same time in getting us to the good thing he's keeping us from the bad thing because the bad thing would set us aside the bad thing would hold us back the bad thing would draw us to death or a premature death, all of those things. And sometimes just flat out keeping, keep us permanently from getting to the destiny, the good thing that he has from us. So as he's taking us on the journey, he's doing both of these things, keeping us in the good. That means keeping us away from the bad. And that's okay. That's a good thing. That's what he should do. God understands he is a good God, but there is a bad devil. So, And he comes for nothing else but to steal, kill, and destroy. And what is it that is his target of stealing, killing, and destroying? It's not the green grass in the field. It's not the trees blowing in the wind. It's not a raccoon in the trash can. It is us, human beings, people, children of the Most High God, human beings that Jesus came and died for. His target his, objection, his objective is to kill and de- steal and destroy from humans. So it's important that we comprehend that. God is a good God and he understands there's a bad devil. So as he's taking us and he wants us to get to that good destination, he's taking us on this good path. He's taking us down this good plan. And at the same time, he's keeping us from the snare of the fowler. Uh, Proverbs talks a lot about that. The the woman with the eyes that you talked about—that's a snare of the Fowler. That's a the bear trap, <laughs> to, to, or the coyote trap, trying to get your leg so that you can't go anywhere. And if you do somehow make it out of it, you are maimed, legless. You had to chew the leg off. <laughs> do what you got to do. But God's saying you don't even have to go through that if you just walk with Me. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead, honey.
0: No, I think that's good. We. We'll pause there for today because there's a lot that has been said and a lot for people to consider. And I'm sure the next time we'll probably touch again on some of these things because as I I look at the scripture right now where Paul continues this thought. So, um, yeah, so let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get someone to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Charles, go for it, sir.
2: Lord, I just thank you for today, Lord. I just thank you for also keeping us from all these snares, Lord, and just giving us a word and a guide so we don't fall into those same traps, Lord. I just thank you for helping us along, Lord, and I just ask that you continue to help guide us and give us more knowledge that we can add to your word, Lord, so we have a complete picture, Lord. And, I, Lord, I just ask that you also just change our consciousness, Lord, so we don't just look at it in the moment, but look at it over our lifetime, Lord in jesus name amen
0: amen we love you god bless you and have a wonderful day
1: thank you for listening to a day of prayer we trust the lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with christ visit us on our website adayofprayer.org where you can check out our blog